Welcome to the Reformance Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you can support change in our education system. This is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black. And I'm Hadi Hot, Mr. Broussard, if you're feeling, huh. Although we've come to, to the, the end of the road. road. Okay, yeah, you're ready. No, but because it's our final episode of the season, Liz, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. I love that a song was a feeling. But it's yeah? Like, we're, we're super black. <laughs> right, 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 right. Call and response. I hope y'all okay, are ready. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. It feels like we've been podcasters for a longer time than just a year. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> we're, really, we're really into this. And like, yeah. this is very generally a... A bittersweet moment because it is. is our last episode, right? And th- that's that's just the bitter part about it. Yeah. But it's been so sweet because I feel like we've learned so much. Like you just said, we feel like we we have been in a podcast game. Like yes. I can put somebody up on game right now. Right. Bit, okay. Right. Um, and we've learned so much about ourselves. So we'd like to take a moment just to talk about what the major thing we've learned about ourselves in this process, and the major thing we learned about the other person. Yes. Should I, am I? I don't know. Do you I want think, to go yeah, first? I'll, I'll I go start. first? Okay. Start. So, like, it's kind of funny because I feel like this has been transcending into work and, like, my aha moments also. So I think that one thing that I've learned about myself is I'd be hella pressed around, like, about people's perception of me. And I think that through podcasting... It... <laughs> wow. I'm diving deep, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but I think that through podcasting, it's pulled out my like I audacious spirit um, mm-hmm. of just not really caring about what people think and just being who I truly am mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really just as far as like the speech goes and like even thinking about for like the beginning, like mm-hmm. how I didn't have a tagline into where I'm at now and like how mm-hmm. in the beginning, how we used to script a lot to, mm-hmm. to where now let, let's just talk. Let's just talk about it. So, okay. I know you're about to say what you learned about me, but now what I learned about you is that exact thing. Oh, Like I really wrote, <laughs> I mean, these are just the rough points. Wow. I was going to be brief, you know, I was going to like summarize in my head, but like, yes. I was like, Jihad is very, was very nervous when unscripted, but when it was something you were passionate about, like you were audacious in those moments and you would go on a rant, right? Like a a rant that was like very valuable, like rants sometimes in that conversation. But uh, my last point was like, there's balance and growth now. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. you you know I can script this word for word, but okay, let me script this part word for word, you yeah. know, and then let me just make these these bullet points, and now you can speak about that. So yeah, that's so. Wow, we were y'all don't know sync. that we didn't actually discuss this with each other beforehand, <laughs> yeah. but we're in sync, and like that was his what he noticed he grew in, and I noticed that too. That's that's scary, but also amazing at the same time. That is scary. Yeah, the, those those guardrails are a beautiful a blessing and a curse. A, ble- um, a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. Here we are. Well, let me tell you what I learned yes, about myself. Please. Maybe you're saying the same thing. Right. I'm like, uh oh. So, in terms of myself, what the first really quick one is that I'm better when rested. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's a wee thing. <laughs> yeah. But I'm much better. And if don't listen back to all the episodes, unless you haven't listened to them, but I, I you can, you let me, y'all let me know when you can tell that I haven't, ha- I haven't slept, right? Because it's a different, it's, a, it's like an uppity energy when I, have rest. That's real. But my main point was that um, I'm really a genius. 
Amen. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Like I have a lot of creative ideas that I wouldn't. I don't think I would have been able to access, at least not as quickly, uh, without this process. Um, like just uh, so so many different things. Like all all the the posts that y'all see, all the marketing. Like I think of those ideas. I don't have a market. I, I don't have. I got an elementary education degree, right? But now I'm like, oh well, maybe I can get a master's in marketing. You are annoying. Why? That's what you said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. I literally one thing I learned about my co-host is that she is a marketing and communications guru. Like y'all, it, it's one thing, and I think that this is what I really want people to know. It's like it's one thing to see somebody just pick up pick up a piece of tech and just learn it the way that you did in such a short period of time. And the thing is, just like you said, like you are a creative genius in the sense that. This transcends to everything. It's, it's not just marketing and communications for you. Like you are able to literally pick up anything that you want to do and just learn in a couple of seconds. So I'm like, wow, that's not me. Like I need to process it. I need to collaborate with someone yeah. on it. Yeah. I need to write and reflect on it. Like there's just a lot of different pieces that are a part of my process. Whereas you are just like, nope, let's go. I'm ready. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. It's been a good run. This is scary, but also amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we got the same exact thing. Wow, but no, really. And also, I just want to say shout out to everybody who's been supporting. That we'll probably say this a lot of times. Right, today, we are going to say it a lot. Of times, but <laughs> all the support is definitely very much appreciated. Thank you. As you all know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the winners of the 2020 election. This next segment will highlight the major keys that we are looking forward to about the state of education in our nation. With the change of the administration, we're excited about the following things. First and foremost, the Secretary of Education. As of now, we're hoping that the Biden-Harris administration is looking for somebody who actually has teaching experience. As you know, the past four years, we've had someone who did not have any teaching experience and who was a very controversial figure to put into the Secretary of Education role. We talk about this because there's a major importance of having someone who's had that classroom experience because folks oftentimes forget the reality of what a classroom teacher even feels like. Secondly, we love the fact that the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, she is going to hopefully be an amazing advocate for changing the way that we see and we envision education. Dr. Biden wrote her dissertation on student retention at the community college meeting students' needs. And if that's one, if there's ever one thing that you heard me talk about throughout the season, it is that. My biggest philosophy, being a special educator, is we have to meet students where they are at. And the fact that Dr. Jill Biden wrote her dissertation on this kind of foreshadows, we hope, uh, what types of funding, what types of uh, knowledge, what types of priorities will be centered um, in, in investing in education. And Dr. Biden will be joining uh, the, the White House with over 30 years of teaching experience, and she plans to continue to teach from the White House. And that just goes to show the amount of kind of the, how agile educators are, right? Like for her to be a first lady and to be still teaching, and this was something that she also did when she was the second lady of the United States of America. So I also wanted to speak to that. So shout out to Dr. Joe Biden. It's going to be so, so, it's so exciting and so exhilarating to hear that we have uh, someone who is an educator in the White House. Last but certainly not least, we need somebody who's going to be able to come into the White House and address this pandemic. And, and specifically, federally 
for schools. I, I really hate the fact that there's been a lack of conversation around a plan for returning to schools at the federal level. And this plan needs to include funding. This plan needs to include testing. This plan needs to be a response plan for if somebody were to get sick and test positive for COVID. And additionally, we really need to talk about educators receiving that compensation that parents mentioned pre or at the beginning of the pandemic. So we're really happy to hear about this change of administration, but we really want to kind of double down and stamp the point that just because our administration is changing doesn't mean that the lack of a doesn't mean that we don't need to hold these people accountable. And I think that now more than ever, it just goes to show that accountability is something that we need to value. We need to not only show up to vote, but make sure that we're showing up to vote consistently in all elections as well as writing our politicians when we're disagreeing with policies and procedures and making sure that we're advocating and, and, and supporting all of what educators want. There is a lot to expect in season two because closing out season one is making way for a bigger and better and more intentional season, baby. I'm so excited because we really have so much in store for y'all. Our main source of feedback from the beginning was that we do not have an Instagram page. I'm like, okay, guys, we got it. And now we're actually going to get it. I think it's going to be super helpful for our growth and our platform. We hope that you'll follow and support. And most importantly, I get to make my personal page private again. We will also have a website. Yes, it's going to be the hub for everything Reformist Pipeline. So you can see things we've done in the past and what we have planned for the future. Merchandise is on the way. We know we have some avid listeners who are probably wondering how they can further support us. We've got the fix for that. Merchandise coming soon. And if you know anybody that we should probably collab with, let us know so we can add them to the list. And finally, we are asking for your blessings and taking all prayers as we have made it to the final round of a contest we've entered and we're manifesting great things over here. So your love and support for that would be greatly appreciated. And we're looking forward to season two and hope you are as well. So we're moving into our last concept development of season one. Really crazy to say right now, but you know, this is the part of the episode where we drive and dive into the main topic. Today, we are doing a recap of the entire season. So these are definitely some interesting and memorable moments, but like true educators, which is what we are, we are actually using this time to acknowledge our growth over time and things that we've learned through this process because we consider ourselves to be lifelong learners and so should you. So this is basically going to be fun, but also like insightful. You know what I mean? Okay, great. We would be remiss if we didn't begin our recap with a reflection on our first episode. So here we are. The purpose of the reformist pipeline kind of stemmed from needing to close a gap between what teachers actually do and what people think teachers do. We want people to know that teachers are people too. Hello. We want to reach self-actualization just like anybody else in so many different ways. So our goal here is to empower you muggles. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Non-educator folk to speak from a well-informed place from referencing educators or the American school system. So it's so interesting because I, I did not really think that the amount of traction that we received, like, you know, we're global now. Um, <laughs> so I want to start with that. But I think that the message about us creating a pipeline of advocates is so essential, like now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize like how timely it was for us to have been creating it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that looking back, 
I think that we've grown so much and not only just making sure that we have a platform, but that everybody feels as if they can connect to this platform. Like, I don't feel like we did. We did an amazing job of actually making sure that regardless of what profession that you have, regardless of if you have a child in the education system or not, regardless of your teacher, whatever you make, wherever you may come from, this platform is for everyone. And I think that that's the main reason as to why we created it. And it's still kind yeah. of resounded through all of the episodes mm-hmm. that we created this season. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, it's, um, it's just nice when you have a purpose and like you never, you never forgot it hmm. because it is, it is very easy to get beside your purpose, right? We do a whole bunch of other things where we have purpose attached to it, but like, yeah. I, I never forgot my purpose with this, with this, which means like it was truly supposed to happen. It was truly hmm. supposed to be this way in the conversations. I've like, had the opportunity to have with people that I never would have had. Like, yeah, I wouldn't have talked to Leanne about education, but yeah. like she's an avid listener, right? And so we have these conversations and they come up. Um, I, it's a couple people that like we wouldn't have had these conversations, but you see me working on it, so now you're interested. And like that's really where it starts. Yeah. And speaking of where it started, we just Ooh. come a long way with <laughs> trying to get people to listen yeah. and sending individual text messages to people. Yes. Like at the very beginning. I, I'm not ashamed. Not at people all. People were replying and people were listening. It um, reminds me of you know, like when you uh, come up and coming artist and you got to go hand out your mixtapes. Yes, like. you were saying <laughs> about mixtapes, text, like. okay. <laughs> and then on top of that, like y'all, I know we try to already introduce season two, but we've been recording from the computers. Like yes. we're about to have microphones and yes. equipment. Like we now know how to budget for the podcast. We came yeah. in this line. Uh, let's see what else learning applications like yeah. I don't know nothing about no Canva y'all and now you're a Canva Marcom guru okay. okay and I'm like well what can I do what else can I do on Canva let's you know figure it out and trying to operate anchor and when we just switched over to a new platform yeah you captivate handle that. captivate well you know thanks to our people that we have in our circles because yes. yeah. <laughs> that was something that we just couldn't do on our own and knowing that though like knowing that mm-hmm. there are people that are around us that probably can do more than we can in the amount of time that we have. Yes. And, and knowing, yes. being able to say like, you know what, that that's not in our scope. Like we need to hand that off. And cause yep. that was something that coming in, it was in Lynn's nose. I was like, so we're going to pay for somebody for this. I mean, pay we're trying to pay everybody to do something. Don't know where the money was going to come from, but I, didn't know either. <laughs> I was ready to pay for somebody. Jihad is very much so the one that's willing to put money down on everything. And I'm like, well, how about we try it first? So it's like, <laughs> I could try it. Like, if you don't want to do it, okay. <laughs> and then some other, like, major things. I took my, my Instagram page from private to public. That was huge for me, y'all. That was very huge for you. <laughs> like, shout out to Clark. <laughs> shout out to my friend Clark. Clark's lean on Instagram because we were hiking, right? And this is when I had posted some rant about something. And people were like, dang, I can't repost it. Dang, I can't repost it. So I'm like, Clark, like, what should I do? And she has, like, multi- she has, like double digit, 10 10, 11K followers. So she's like, well, you know, if you really want your stuff to get out there, you got to like have it public. And I was like, we are literally walking down the mountain. And I'm like, okay, got to take that picture off. (laughs) Got to take that picture. Oh, the ass. Oh, got to take that picture (laughs) off. Okay. Like it was, it was like several pictures. And I was like, wow, I did it. Like, and I went public and I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, it is. But once we get this performance pipeline page, y'all, we, it's going back private. doing this heads up spoiler alert spoiler alert (laughs) and then major thing another major thing when Hadi found a tagline yeah that was a process and you know what actually though shout out to the 
the Bridge Ed Collective because that's that's, <laughs> that's how happened. they helped me. They and did help you. I brought it back to you. You're like, oh yeah, let's switch this around. I was like, oh wait, oh yeah, yeah, no, but I I announced it live on the episode, huh? Yep. To you because mm. you're like, don't tell me, don't tell me. I want yeah, to be surprised. Yeah. It was really good though. It was a process. It was, was a process. Proud. Well. The next highlights are definitely going to come from our most listened to episode, the Black History Month experience. I'm like, oh, that hurt my heart. Right. And sometimes I get mad because I'm like, y'all are so ignorant, right? But then I'm like, I was also ignorant. So who am I to be upset? And I'm not really upset with them. I'm just upset that like this hasn't been important enough that like my sixth grade students are telling me Black History started with slavery. That moment was really... Even listening back to that, hmm. that moment was really like monumental and like checking myself and checking my thinking and checking my biases and not like shaming other black people. Like I want to affirm everybody's blackness. Yes. But what I don't want to affirm is that our history started from slavery. Right. And it's just it just goes to show how much more work we have to do as a collective um, to ensure that our younger generation and anybody who is absent of the knowledge um, that we are more than what we, we were more than enslaved people, right? Well, that's not where we started. Um, even though it is an important moment in our history, right? That still impacts us today, but uh, we just, yeah, I was just, take, I was just taken aback, truly. That's, and rightfully so, like, and <laughs> we'll get into this, I feel like in the next little clip. Um, but I think it's very important for us to know that this was a piece, a moment that was true and authentic. Yes. So I think like a lot of, even to my experience, because I, I do feel as if sometimes that's my perception of people as opposed to like trying to think about like, well, wh why did you not have that um, access? Mm -hmm. So, and I think that we'll get into that why in the next clip. I didn't learn about Stokely Carmichael, I want to say, until I got to either high school or college. And it's like, mm -hmm. I, I wonder mm -hmm. if like, had I been exposed, like how much more of a, I don't even want to say a radical thinker, but I guess it is, to a degree it is. Like, how much more of a, how much more creative would I have been? You yeah. know, because it's just like a different perspective. But because mm -hmm. you're you're taught about all of these white influential figures, but for so long when you don't when you don't know how to identify as them because you're not them, <laughs> right. it's like, well, you're teaching me about this history that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And then we wonder why we don't do well in these types of subjects. It's because like, we're, we're learning about shit that isn't us. That, that isn't that's us. That's not a part of us. And yet again, another clip that aged well. Like, I just, I really do, I can't wait for the day that there are more schools where we're learning Black content uh, about the Queen Nefertiti, about the Stokely Carmichaels, about... Mm -hmm all the black women that paved the way, especially like looking at the the history here in DC, like the Mary Jane Patterson or the George Bell, or like there's just so many influential figures that are throughout our country, throughout our, all the different systems that we don't get to learn about. Mm -hmm. And and I, I want for, I wanna, I wanna radicalized curriculum about black people because black people are amazing and we have been doing all of the great things, but we're just not, given the same spotlight that white people are. Mm -hmm. and, and so I really do wish that mm -hmm. a school is one day created that focuses just on black folks and like how they paved the way for It would be white nice. Folks. It would absolutely be nice. I was actually having this conversation about um, what the schools think are like making things culturally relevant. Like, oh, we have books about 
black people. But I'm like, yeah, but you're talking about colorism and how the dark skinned girl is trying to like bleach herself to be light skinned. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but you're talking about this little, this like juvenile who's in, who's in jail because he killed somebody. It's like, y'all think that having the, like, there's so much more good. Yes. Like you could yes. read a book about Stokely Carmichael. Yes. Like you could, you could read books about anybody doing positive things, Absolutely. but y'all think this is relatable. And it's like, it's not, it's not about what's relatable. I'm not saying that we don't right. need to read books about colorism, but what I'm saying is that like my girls already have experience with colorism. They mm. don't really need to talk about it in this open space with right. a teacher that I don't know what the teacher is or what those teachers, if the teacher might be white or the teacher might have some thoughts on colorism that they are projecting. Like, but why can't we read, I don't know, Michelle Obama's memoir. Like let's do yeah. that. Yes. Like we need to give them exposure to uh, images of black people so that, whatever type of black person they choose to be, they feel affirmed in that. They don't have to repeat the cycle, but you keep giving them books to repeat a cycle. And you know, it's, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, uh, the author who, it was Marco Mahill and Bettina Love. And the book is called, We Want to Do More Than Survive, that she wrote, that mm. she's the author of. And she spoke to this mindset of deficit-based thinking and how we teach educators to go into the classroom and focus on all these things about black students, but we don't tell them the positive things about black students. Literally and so <laughs> that's the issue, that's right? It. Like, why can we not change that? Why is that what we're pushing? And then we, we, we talk to them about all the black students' deficits and then we say, all right, but they're intelligent, so go teach them. Right, and that's the thing. I think people are like afraid to be taught, like when you make assumptions, it could be rooted in biases, right? And like exactly. white people may not be, they really may, some white people really may not be able to figure out the positive in black students because they don't have no experience with it. Exactly. But like, I can say like black kids talk a lot and that might be offensive to some people, but I'm like, no. And I think that a, a responsive classroom should be loud anyway. I think that students should be talking more than children anyway. So let's hone in on that. There's some data to, to prove this. I could tell you that these little black kids talk too damn much. Mm -hmm. So let's put it together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Well, that was a highlight for the Black History Month experience. And we're going to move on into some general highlights uh, that we've uh, not endured. That sounds kind of <laughs> crazy. But that we've had um, as we grew in this process. I think our first live we had was with Kicking It With Key, yes. one of our partners. That was exciting. I was lit. Had lots of champagne. I was lit too, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a, such a, an amazing experience. A using a type of platform that I had never used before. I just started there, but just kind of like the the real time engagement and how we were able to. I'm trying to think. I think we were talking about what what, what was like one of the biggest points from that episode. Because I'm about to say we was talking was, about everything. We really were everything under the sun. There was a lot of hu banter. Yeah, when we started <laughs> with mindfulness, right? Did we? Yeah. Yes, because Key's whole platform is about mindfulness. So we we definitely, it may not have been the definition mindfulness, yes, we yes, do, yes, but yes. the general idea. I remember we were reflecting on something that was that happened that was powerful during that time, during that week for us. I remember that specifically. Mm -hmm. It was just an all around like great all experience. And we wouldn't have had these experiences if we didn't have the platform. I noticed that, especially with my friend um, Short. Well, Bryce, I guess his name is Bryce. I call him short. But he also had a live series and saw that I did that and saw and saw one of the text messages I sent him yes. and wanted me to be on his live series. I'm like, okay, well, that's exposure. And that's like, 
he didn't have no other teacher on there. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, people not asking teachers to be on there. And then you also had an opportunity. Yeah, I got to send a shout out to Toshiba because literally she is an avid listener to our podcast. And oh, yeah. she connected me to Darren Daly, who just started his own YouTube series. And that was how I became featured on that because mm. Toshiba, a listener, was like, oh, Jihad, like y'all should connect. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And then it was a great conversation with other black male educators um, who were, I want to say, like in Tennessee and New York and just different places. And mm-hmm. so just having that type of dialogue with other people who are in the space was amazing. And doing their own thing, like one was had work was working on his PhD. I think he had just gotten it. And that's like those types of spaces are needed. Absolutely. I don't think that people know that there aren't a lot of spaces for educators to convene and collaborate and to bounce ideas off of one yes. another outside of the, just their schools. And yes. that is something that we have to like fix that and hopefully coming soon working on that working on but that. it's yep. just that's something that that kills me and that's the reason why there aren't we don't have all the all the answers are present throughout our country but yeah. we don't have the spaces to we don't have the to spaces. help pair yes. the answers yes. with one another yes so mm-hmm. that was something that was incredible and i know that one of the other things that you did lance was you were on the school of ease um, panel. panel yeah that was amazing too like just to talk about like being able to have the opportunity to collaborate with other educators exactly and these weren't the, the panel was specifically about people that are in education that are doing things outside of teaching right yeah so mine was the podcast um we got we had the woman from black girls teach she has a very large following mm-hmm. um there's another one and i you know shame on me for not remembering what it was but there's a woman who lives in oakland she's from la but she talks about about like her whole platform on Instagram mm-hmm. is about making literacy culturally relevant, like making ELA culturally relevant. Yes. And I'm like, wow, I have access. And there were, there were several other people on there, but I'm like, I have access to all these people who are doing different things within the same avenue of education. And I'm like, oh, well, this is, this is for me because, yes. and for me to tell other teachers, because teachers just be thinking, oh, all we can do is teach. But there's mm. so many other things that we can do. And I wouldn't have been afforded that opportunity. Like literally somebody saw that I had a podcast, some coworker, and then she put me onto it. And mind you, it was a big thing. Like Ayala Von Zant yes. was, one, was our main speaker. Like, yes. okay, it was a big deal. Yes. And then we had our own live. Yes, we right? did. We got all this information and collaborated yes. and had our own live. And that was a lot of fun too, especially given that we were in two different places. You're on the West Coast. I was here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and what I'm trying to think back. Oh, yeah, because that, and it's so interesting to, this year A of players feels like a blur and like it was the longest year of life also. Yeah. But like on that episode, just kind of talking about like what were what we needed to be mandated so that y'all could go back or what would be feasible enough for yes. um, a brick and mortar return to school, which was nothing. And nothing, no, no type of funding there. was being allocated Hello. towards it. It was just so many problems and not enough solutions at that time. And, and so I just thought it was interesting how and I'm going to continue to say this and probably will be a recurring thing throughout our seasons to come. We got to pay educators more. And there pay was this Pay me my talk. money. Okay. <laughs> pay me my money. <laughs> yes. And so like there was this talk at the beginning of the pandemic around paying educators more. And now that seat, that conversation right now to exist. Turn up. So shout out to all of the educators per usual. <sighs> and our next highlight, 
is uh, one of our special education mini series. Something that me and Heidi have talked about is like, uh, we kind of mentioned it already, right? Talking, having these conversations with people we wouldn't normally have these types of conversations with or being able to include people on our platform that we wouldn't normally include, right? Mm. And so I just wanted to highlight my mom, okay? Yes. Because she was a guest on our, one of the last one, um, the ADD versus ADHD mm-hmm. uh, episode of the mini series, and we have a lot of fun. We have some playful banter, but I really enjoyed the fact that she was able to come on and she was talking about something controversial because yeah. um, we also like to make sure we highlight those things as well. Uh, she's talking about medication and medicating students for ADD. So just hear what she had to say about it. As black parents, we really need to get more comfortable with medicating our children when necessary. Um, I fought this diagnosis for my son for a long time. Uh, you know, the teachers would express, you know, their concerns and I ignored them because um, we were in, um, my children were bused into an affluent white uh, school district and I felt like they were just singling out the only black kid um, because you know they didn't know how to deal with him or they didn't know how to teach him. Um, but eventually when I took him to a very well-respected specialist in the area and got a diagnosis, um, then you know I had to face the truth that you know he really did have a condition um, that we needed to address. Um, and I was very hesitant to medicate him, but with the diagnosis, um, I did make the decision to medicate him. Shout out to moms. Like I, I really do, A, like it's incredible. I think that they love us to see like our, our parents kind of yeah. seeing us live our dreams, but also for us to like pour back into them and like get them to push them out of their comfort zone. Because yeah. I know that this is something, sometimes this is not- Yeah, my mom's an introvert. Yeah. yeah. an introvert. That's not something you can like also, She's not, she's also doesn't really, she doesn't like public speaking. She's not really a big public speaker. She does it that. right, but um, it's something that she's had to work at. So yeah. I'm very proud of her. And you're saying something that like black people don't want to hear. Absolutely. Okay. And, and although it's unfortunate, I think that the, this is what we want, right? Like we need to be having conversations, y'all. Like communication is the biggest thing that is working against us and we don't do more of it. And if we did more of it, if we had more spaces to like have these conversations about not only just ADHD and like the special education type of process and systems, but we could collaborate. And then maybe one day, and this is far-fetched, but maybe one day it wouldn't even be seen as special education. Like if we were able to have the conversations around uh, what does a typical type of like learning environment look like to where you're meeting all learners where they're at as opposed to isolating different students. So I really do appreciate your mom talking about the medication topic because it's something that needs to be addressed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whew, sorry, that was a big one. That was a big one. Uh, and when we think about learning, right? Yes. And y'all know stuff happens you ain't got no control over. Hmm. I have an example. COVID. <laughs> COVID-19. Okay. Yo, COVID-19 was the biggest pivot ever for us. We had an emergency episode. Like, we were not supposed to drop an episode. And we're about to play the, a clip from the episode. And then, you know, I'm just getting my feels. Dave four of quarantine <laughs> <Day> four. <laughs> it's crazy because it's a mood that just about everybody understands yeah it really is like all the memes it's just it's been a lot and i feel like for this to be the first time that we've ever experienced this everyone is uh, well 
from the people that I've checked in on, mm-hmm. um, I know that people are kind of stir crazy, but it also <laughs> has been a lot it. of like self-reflect that a lot of people have been very self-reflective also. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for this episode, this is actually our official, officially our first bonus episode. Yes. And we just know that there's a need and we have to fill the need right now. And we need to talk about the coronavirus because we know that so many people can relate and so many people understand what we're going through. But a lot of people don't know exactly what the education system in our nation right now is going through. Ah! <laughs> ah! laughable as hell like we talk about day four quarantine what try day 400 okay (laughs) i'm not gonna see uh oh my my what yeah everybody's been really reflective day four we thought people were reflective yeah what the fuck is the word now (laughs) what is the word now because it's bigger than reflective it definitely is it definitely is yeah it I know that we were even talking about the memes. The memes were hilarious back then, I must say. And I I even think there was a point in which in that episode, Liz, I think I remember you saying something about how the principals were saying how we were going to, oh, if if coronavirus hits us, it was uncertain at that time if it was going to hit us. (laughs) We were taking precautionary measures in March after, because it wasn't even certain that the virus is here yet. At that point, I think. That it was here in the nation? That it wasn't, yeah, it was not here in the States, I don't think, at that point. Like hell it wasn't, but yeah. We, it okay, wasn't reported, right. my bad. It wasn't reported to us, but we knew that. These mother- okay. Right. They were withholding information. I just remember that, I remember that time, and I remember my anxiety was crazy. But you like, transitioning what? class or teach uh, jobs, too, like. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Wow, the ghetto. Yeah. I mean, the ghetto is still here. Absolutely. But we just did not imagine. Like, we were literally thought we were going to be out for two weeks. Oh, we're literally going to be out for a month. Oh, two more weeks. And I'm like, once it got to like a certain time, I was like, okay, school year's over. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And so, in this next clip, I, I think that we get into the seriousness about just kind of knowing information and knowing how to access information. And I think that this clip, it definitely did age well. So let's take a listen. Like, okay, like trying to remain calm. Like what? (laughs) Cause at the beginning of the day, I'm very transparent with my students, right? right. So I was telling sixth grade already, we hadn't told the parents that we were gonna be out for two weeks, Mm -hmm. but I was telling my sixth grade class, I'm like, explain to them like, hey, we're probably gonna be out for two weeks. They're like, okay, cool. I'm like, it's probably gonna take away your, your spring break. They're like, oh, dang, but okay, cool. And then I have a calendar in my room. So they didn't really get it until I started taking, I have post-its that represent what every event we're about to do um, Mm -hmm. during those weeks. And I'm taking off the post-its. They're like, oh, dang, we're not going to have that field trip. Oh, dang, we're not going to do this. And I'm like, y'all, this like could get real. And like, I don't want you to be scared. Like, I don't want you to have anxiety about it. So we watched like a couple videos throughout the week because I don't, I don't know the level of access to like, um, relevant and true information right my families are going to get and then after it's fi- you might get some on instagram filter through a parent exactly and then get it to a kid like i don't want y'all to be like super scared and that for me there's still an honorable moment in my head because i really try my absolute best to explain what this meant to them and mm-hmm. i didn't even know like that's also what i want people to grasp is that teachers have 
2.5 seconds to process information so that we can tell it to kids. So when people are like, teachers should do this, y'all to teach this. I didn't learn that in school. It's like, we don't have enough time to process current events, guys, yes. like, to make it make sense. Um, yes. And I wish that, I hope that they felt prepared. I know like lots of kids are ready to go back to school now. I hope that my kids felt like, you know, Miss Black gave me mm. the information, you know? And in, in thinking in hindsight, like, Okay, I prepared y'all to deal with COVID, but I'm I am blessed that I didn't have to prepare myself to have in-person conversations about the deaths of black people. Yeah. That's yeah. I know we switched gears a little bit, but that's a, those are the types of pivots. Like those that's the you know, we say we're lifelong learners. Those are the types of things that we've learned to pivot real quickly, right? But I don't I would have had to figure out how to pivot that. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. And and I think that just kind of stamping the point that you made about access to information. I think it's just, it just speaks to like why educators are so amazing because like, had you not made that decision to communicate and have the conversation with your students, how would they, I, I think it could have been even worse. Like be worse, yeah. them processing, because this has been rough, this, processing this whole pandemic, dual pandemics at that. And yeah. at that point, let's be clear, the whole racial injustices that, people murdering black people, police officers murdering black people, yeah. that wasn't even as being highlighted as it was to today. And so I think that it's just so important that we really like applaud educators and really look out for them because Please. the amount of seconds, like you said, that y'all have to respond to an issue. And this is just like one of the things that was kind of put on the forefront. Like there are other situations in which, um, bomb threats like there yeah. there are literal other types of situations yeah. or just like you said like a kid coming into school and telling you oh wow like my my dad was shot last night like these are things that you have to respond to and so i just really hope that a students are still okay um right but, and, and but b more so i think that we need to prepare schools to welcome back these kids who have been through very a very much traumatic school year um, a very much traumatic kind of year in general. This year has been unprecedented as far as- But like, who's preparing the teachers? That's all I'm saying though. We always talk about let's prepare the kids, but people yeah. like, but in the same breath, people are like, oh, well, you have to make sure your glass is full before you pour it into others. Okay, yeah. well, how, who's filling my glass? Cause I don't need another mindfulness PD no. virtually. Like I need you really, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So yeah, we all need to be prepared, but it's like, the people, the employers that have been out and need to go back, like everybody needs to be prepared. Like, yeah. I just want everybody to know that this is not one per it's not one set of groups, people's jobs. Children need to be prepared to deal with other children. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's a collective responsibility. I feel very yes. strongly about that because yes. lots of people are going to take that and misconstrue, which I know what you Absolutely. mean, but people are going to be like, yeah, teachers got to be ready to be trauma-informed, blah, 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 blah. Yes, but everybody does. Like, exactly. If everybody experienced the trauma, it's actually, it's actually like a blessing in disguise, right? Because mm -hmm. when something like really egregious happens to one person, it's like, damn, I don't know how to relate. I don't know what to do. But now we all have some type of prior knowledge that we can access on how to approach people or how yeah. to be open to people or what types of conversations to have. Like, there is an awareness that we have and we have to tap into it and have collective accountability across the board when we think about entering back into the real world and what life's supposed to look like. And I think that that's like the literally the perfect segue into our last little clip. And that is our the importance of a call to action.
This episode, we are bringing our call to action to the forefront as we stand firmly behind this cause. Summer is coming to an end and our federal government has still not created uniform criteria for reopening school buildings in a safe and healthy way for educators and students. The Reformist Pipeline recently launched a national petition which states our mandates for a safe reopening of schools. We are at a little over 600 signatures and we need your support. So this week's call to action is for you to sign and share the petition. You can find the petition by going to change.org slash protect our educators. And now to wrap up our amazing season finale, we want to talk to you all about our call to action, one of the best and most key portions of our episode, and which is really trying to galvanize any type of support um, and, and whatever we did. And so like to this season, we talked about, um, we did an implicit bias test, which was amazing. Um, we did this amazing petition, which was a national petition. And like we said, six, seven, 800 signatures, which was amazing. And a tremendous type of like, it took a lot of work to do those call to actions, but I think that that's what we want this work to be about is not just talking, but more so trying to get people to to act in some way, shape or form. And just like Lindsay was talking about on the kind of the last bit before we talked about um, access to information, if we all do our part, this work becomes a lot easier. The work cannot always fall on the backs of educators. This has to be a collective effort. It has to take the, the community, it has to take business owners, it has to take people working in corporate America. Literally, everybody has a stake in education. And I, and I think that that's kind of been the theme that I've wanted everybody to understand. And I wanna build on that because if we talk about the community and like people being responsible, feel, or feeling responsible, right? Even if you're not an educator, the idea of the call to action came from your dad. It did. You it know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it did. It did. We t he, I feel like if I'm saying the story right, mm -hmm. you were telling him about the podcast, and he was saying that there needs to be a call to action. There needs to be some action at the end. And we were like, I remember, I remember the day you brought it back. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And so already we started off on a, on a great foot with someone who's not an educator, but believes that collective accountability and communication within people that are in education and mm. non-educators, muggles, okay. Um, <laughs> like that, those ties need to be made in order for change to be made. So it's just really cool to be in this space now. It is another, or not another, but we're one season in and one so many more in. to go. And now it's time for our call to action, y'all. We want your recommendations for season two. We would not be anything without y'all's love and support. So we thought we'd drop our numbers so that y'all can send us a text. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, right. You <laughs> 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 right. but, but seriously though, we've mentioned to y'all that starting this podcast was like a true journey for us. Mm -hmm. um, we are lifelong learners. Yes. So we want you to send us season two recommendations, suggestions, feedback by using that link in our bio. I mean, feel free to slide into our DMs. I have some friends that like send me text messages. You know, we have a formal email address. Yes. Um, you have our per permission to give us the feedback. What is it that you want to know? I feel like throughout this podcast and throughout quarantine, people have been more engaged in the education system and talking about it. But yeah. let us know what you don't know or what you want to inquire further about. And in the meantime, and in between time, between season one and season two, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, uh, our personal pages. You know that we are about to have a Reformist Pipeline Instagram that's coming out soon. Yes. Um, TRP Advocates is still our Twitter handle. And we truly love y'all and your support. Let's keep it going. Let's make it even better. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening, especially if you're an avid listener. Thank you for running it from top to bottom. Thank you for telling people about the podcast. We really appreciate it. And make sure you're continuing to stand up for educators. Yes. Peace, love, and light, y'all. Hootie hoo!